This is Colin Reed with Project Spurs, and I'm here to discuss the aftermath of the NBA trade deadline for the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs did not make any moves before February 6th's trade deadline. Uh, you know, this was expected for the Spurs in some regards in terms of the Spurs usually don't make in-season moves. The last one that they made was in 2014, and that was really a, a fringe roster move, uh, trading Nando Dicolo to the Raptors for Austin Day. But there was actually an expectation uh, for them to maybe possibly make a move this season with Damari Carroll. Apparently, you know, he hasn't been getting a lot of playing time. He he stayed home from the rodeo road trip. I would expect he's not 100% happy with his role, and who can blame him? You know, he was signed to come in and be a contributor, and now he hasn't been playing at all. And who knows if <laughs> if the relationship can even recover at that point in terms of, you know, maybe the Spurs could think, well, could we bring him in and start incorporating him into the rotation, but it's so late in the season already that it would take probably something big to happen before they felt comfortable doing that. So my first big takeaway here is what happens now with Damari Carroll that he didn't get moved. Um, and I will say from the outset, I, I do believe I have no sourcing. I have no inside sources, but I believe that the Spurs tried to get a deal done. You know, they try to do right by their players if Damari Carroll wasn't happy with his role, you know, the Spurs knew it, and I'm sure that they even felt bad about the fact that they signed him to this MLE and couldn't find a space for him. Um, and I think that they tried to move him, and they just did not find a move that would work for both sides. So now the question is, what happens with the buyout market looming? Well, the problem is, if Carroll would be a unrestricted free agent after this season, it'd be easy to just buy him out at whatever the cost, waive him, and then he can go and pick his team. But the problem is that he has about $6.7 million uh, of his contract guaranteed for next season and a million of it, I believe, guaranteed for the season after that. So that's, you know, over $7.5 million in guaranteed salary that the Spurs still have to pay. And that, that can tie up their cap space. Um, now, I'm not sure if they're really going to be a, a player for having any cap space this summer. They're probably just going to use the MLE like they have in the past. But... That that does tie tie their hands a little bit in terms of they will be paying, um, you know, up to six point five million dollars next year for a player who's not on the roster, and who really didn't even get to see playing time at all. Now, obviously, with a buyout, that that guaranteed amount can come down a little bit. But why would it be in Damari Carroll's best interest at all to give up a lot of money? You know, I know some might say, well, it's in his best interest because he wants to move. But, you know, at the same time, you know, $7 million is $7 million. Like, how much of that are you willing to give up just to go, you know, be in the rotation for another team? It, it just really is strange, though, because when you look at what Carroll's skill set is and when you look at what this team needs, it seems like a perfect fit even now. So there must have just been some sort of fit issues and not at all questioning Carroll's character. I don't think it was a quick character issue from everything I seen it seems like he's a perfect character fit for the Spurs I think just the on-court fit didn't work for whatever reason in the way that that some people thought it would you know I, I bet especially it, it was surprising most to the Spurs front office and to Damari Carroll himself now the other pieces that could be moved that were way 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 more unlikely you know the Carroll move was honestly pretty likely to happen and they just apparently couldn't find a deal anything else in my mind is pretty unlikely um but, second thought, the fact that Chris Haynes tweeted right before the deadline that the Spurs informed DeMar DeRozan 
that they would not deal him tells me that they had to tell him that he would not be traded, which means that they were at least uh, looking around more than I would have imagined. Um, You know, I thought that they would maybe kick the tires, maybe take calls. Just hearing the fact they had to tell him he wouldn't be traded tells me that there was maybe more going on there than any of us knew. And, you know, again, they just didn't find anything that uh, pushed them in the direction that they want to go. They're in a really interesting spot where they really do want to get that record 23rd playoff streak. At least that's what it seems from every indication. Um, But they also want to keep their future open. They don't want to give up any future assets. They don't want to hinder the future after Pop. You know, I know that it'd be easy for someone in in Coach Gregory Popovich's situation to just say, you know what, I'm not going to be here in several years. Why not just get the most winning team we can? And that, I think, is wrong on several levels. First, I think that he'll actually, and this is pure speculation on my part, I, I honestly believe he will continue to be the president of basketball operations for the Spurs once he retires as their head coach, because it will require a lot less travel. So he could still do it, um, and he would be able to do it kind of from the comfort of San Antonio and and kind of be closer to home, and and it wouldn't require quite as much uh, from him in in that regard. So he he would be mortgaging still a future he's involved with, even if he's not the coach. But even if I'm wrong about that, he cares too much about making sure that this franchise is set up for after he's gone. Now, uh, two players that I think... A bunch of fans have maybe wanted to see traded, uh, even though there probably wasn't really any action on at least one of them, have been Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli. Now, we did get some reporting that Marco Bellinelli, um, I think from Jabari Young, you know, who used to be one of the Spurs beat writers, so he has connections. Uh, The Spurs were trying to move Bellinelli, or at least talking to teams about it. Uh, It seemed like other teams were kind of worried about his defense, and that's why a deal didn't get done. I imagine that there are some teams that could use either of those two players shooting, yes. The problem is, is there any team that's willing to give up an asset for either of those two players? And again, there's zero indication that the Spurs were even trying to trade Bryn Forbes. But is is there any team out there that would be willing to give the Spurs you know, any sort of asset for those players. We don't have any proof that that even exists. Even if they made calls all day long about both of those players, we have zero reason to believe that there was any team out there that was saying, yeah, you know, we'll give up a good second round pick for either one of those players because both of those players are unrestricted free agents this summer. If the Spurs we're going to move either of them, they could buy them out fairly easily without any cost beyond this season. I don't think that's very likely for Bryn. He's starting and he's playing a lot, and he does seem to be a key piece of the rotation. With Lonnie Walker getting more minutes, Marco Bellinelli's uh, role in the rotation really has diminished. So I do believe that there could be a situation where the Spurs do buy out Marco Bellinelli. Just because his minutes have been going down, his spot in the rotation is kind of falling behind Lonnie Walker's, you know, it's, you can see why they would do it. And he can help a contender, and I can imagine that he would want to be on a team where he can contribute. That, that honestly, to me right now, is the most likely move before the end of the season. Buying out either Damari Carroll or Marco Bellinelli is the most likely option at this juncture. 
And and I do think that one of those two things will happen. I don't think that the Spurs roster we have today will be the same roster going into training camp or um, into the playoffs. <laughs> it certainly won't be the same one going into training camp next year. I, I'm going to be writing a piece that will come out about what I think the options are with DeRozan now, so I won't talk much more about that. I think that a name that came up in trade talks was Pirtle. And that was interesting to me that the Spurs were even listening at all. I do think that Pirtle is going to be the Spurs' center of the future once Aldridge moves on from the team or as he starts to age. But it seems like that the Spurs were willing to move from him if the price was right. Because I do think they realize that once DeMar DeRozan and Aldridge either leave or as they get older, they might have a couple of rebuilding years and they need to maybe start looking at asset accumulation mode. And you know what? I think that was probably where any talks from Pearl came from. You know, if they decided, okay, we're blowing this thing up, we're going heavy into asset accumulation mode, that's where a lot of the Pearl talks came from. But as long as they're trying to stay kind of halfway in both of focusing on now and being relevant later, I think that keeping Pirtle is the right move. And I think that he can be the center, the starting center for this young group going forward. Those are my immediate reactions to the NBA trade deadline for the Spurs. Thank you for listening. I'm Colin Reed with Project Spurs.